What's up, y'all? I am Chris Charles, and this is Straight Chubb, the fantasy football podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Headliners. Welcome back to the show. It is the Chris and Chris back in the mix show tonight, baby. This is what we do. This is how we roll. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? I am doing well, man. I, uh, as we were talking about before the before the sh- you know we started actually you know recording and uh, and as we mentioned in the group chat, I was away this past weekend at a bachelor party and. Uh, it was nice to get away, but at the same time, I didn't sleep mm. and my liver could probably use a break for the next like six to eight weeks. And as I say that, I have a beer in front of me. So, <laughs> and, that's, that. and that's how you medicate a, a unhealthy liver is by adding more toxins to it. Well, isn't that what they say? You know, when you're when you're hungover, you need the hair of the dog. You know, you have yourself a drink and it fights the hangover absolutely and this is this is just logic it's normal logic behavior by human beings exactly you know what and the bachelor party was great we had you know we did a cigar bar with bourbon we did breweries we did golf we played drinking games i mean it was it was an absolute blast to be able to get away for a few days hang out with the friends and uh, and not have to worry about anything for you know even just two or three days you know you were saying there was no uh, no entertainment adult entertainment for them for the men and i'm saying that no. this this is the old uh, old timers uh, bachelor party nowadays it's not like we were cutting it when it was like 20 when we were 21 man where you had like streetwalkers walking in man <laughs> i remember my first bachelor party of a buddy of ours got married fairly young and i was i think we were like 22 maybe 23 and we did we went to a uh, you know uh, the adults, uh, performing arts center. Uh, and, uh, and it was, it was a wild night. I mean, just tons, again, tons of drinking and whatnot. Adult and performing it, arts center. <laughs> yeah. And then at the age of 38 now, you know, there were, there, there were no, no, no strippers or, or anything like that. Um, it was just a bunch of late, you know, mid to late 30 year olds, you know, going to bed fairly early and not being able to, uh, to hang like we used to when we were younger. Adult performing arts center. That's freaking genius. Where I'm telling the wife, hey, where are you going? I'm just I'm going to the adult performing arts center tonight, man. I'll be I'll be back later. <laughs> oh man. She's like, oh, a- he must be he must be going to see a show or a play or something. That's great. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. That museum is very nice. I've been there. Have have fun. Have fun. Oh man, that's a great one. I'm stealing it. That's a great one. I'm using it. You know what, man? There is not a whole heck of a lot happening right now because obviously we're gearing up for training camp. Well, we're like a mere, what, two weeks, two and a half weeks away from training camp. I think it's like July 27th. It kicks off. So, you know, you're trying to find some information for the people, trying to make them understand what's going on. But I mean, legit, there mm-hmm. isn't a lot going on. But I'm, you know what? I, I got creative and, and we can we can do some stuff. We can talk it out because there is some uh, some things that did happen. And there's two of them that we got to cover because, I mean, it's it's terrible. And, and I mean, it's going to suck for these guys, but I mean, uh, it is NFL news. So first is we, we discussed Frank Clark last week and he has been charged and, and this, uh, this could carry up to three years because he was carrying that Uzi with him. So, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big punishment to be carrying around a gun that you're using for COD or, or the call of duty, man. That's insane. And the fact that he was recently charged, um, I mean, it's it's with the felony count, you know, obviously with an assault weapon. So right now, I think that, you know, based off of what the Chiefs probably could do, um, I mean, there are some you know, there, there, there are some free agents that are still out there. But I think that the Chiefs are going to have to seriously consider, you know, either moving on from Clark or just being ready to not have him for the majority of the season, if not all of the 2021 season. 
So even if he gets off, here's my thing, because the NFL is very sticky on, on personal conduct uh, detriment to the team. And, and this is a funny one because I mean, it's a, it's a weapon and okay, fine. Weapon laws are what they are, but I mean, it's, this is like you said, an assault weapon. And I, mean, I would you be shocked if he just gets, if he gets off on probation and a, maybe like a four gamer, like this is the, the way this is setting up. I mean, he's going to obviously get a good legal team and it's going to be like him on the field by halfway point of the season. I would be very surprised if it was just four games. Yeah, that, that would surprise me. I think that a minimum eight to 10 games minimum. Yeah, it's a crazy situation, man. Moving from one situation to another, uh, man, this one, this one I can't stand. And if, if he is guilty, I hope they put him underneath the jail, man. And that's Barctavius Mingo, man. He was released uh, from the Atlanta Falcons for an incident uh, in decency with a child sexual conduct. Mm. And, and he could face up to 20 years in prison. And I, and you know, I got no tolerance for this type of bullshit, man. If, if you're doing anything uh, with children and I mean, that's a, uh, still very, uh, what do you, what do you call it? It's, uh, up for interpretation because they didn't reveal the age of the minor he was with. But I mean, if you're talking anything under 18, I mean, I really got a big problem with that, especially if you're a grown ass man doing this. So, I mean, if this is the case, Mingo, I hope you do get under the jail because if you are guilty, that's for sure. Oh, hundred percent. If he, if he's found guilty and he did what he's being accused of doing, then a hundred percent, you know, lock and key, whatever you want to do after that, hands down, not even a question. Give him the R. Kelly treatment in, in jail. Like, I think that's kind of where we're at. I'm not going to spend too much time on that guy because he's a he's an asshole now in my mind until he is proven innocent now, because I think it's a bad and look all around. I just And we don't spend time on douchebags. No, we do not. He is now Next. classified as a douchebag. We move on. This is kind of funny, man. Speaking of dysfunction, the Washington football team, Chris, did you see this one? So I they <laughs> they had a name. So they have a bunch of names, I guess, like they're putting in a, in a pot and they're trying to decide. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the name they just rejected today was the Washington Warriors. And I'm like, that wasn't so bad. Like it was like in look at Golden State. It worked out for them. Exactly. You know, and it, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm like, you could do a lot worse than uh, the Warriors because you're doing it right now with the Washington football team. Damn it. I mean, so here's the thing. I mean, what is the name that you think they're going to pick? I mean, uh, really, realistically, where do you think they're going with this name? Because they got to Are they going to do it even this season? Because I don't even know if they're going to do it this year. No, from what I read, they won't have a, a name until the 2022 season, I believe is what it is. Um, and so, of course, where they're trying to get, you know, they're trying to get away from the Native American theme because that's what, you know, their their former name was to begin with. Um, I did see that they're trying to. They're, they're trying to keep something that has to do with red. They still want to have it be like the Washington red something. And. I was reading an article, it was either today or yesterday, where they said that one of the potential names could be the Washington Red Wolves, which confuses the crap out of me. Is there a Red Wolf? Because I've never seen one. I don't know. I, I don't even know if they exist, to be honest with you. Go and go and look that up on National Geographic. Is I, I mean, this is Red Wolf. What the hell are they smoking? I'm just kidding, man. Don't look it up. <laughs> no, it's true. No, it, up. I got this guy they, looking they up exist. Red Wolves. It does. And Interesting. they are they are endangered species. There are only an estimated 35 or fewer wild red wolves in the world, not just in like North America, but in the entire world. So 
maybe they don't want to change their name to the Red Wolves because if the Red Wolves are being extinct, I mean, that's kind of where this Washington football team was going for quite some time anyway. Yeah, and Dan Snyder is going into that direction too, man. They had to get his <laughs> wife to take over the club because of all his indiscretions. I'm surprised he's still married, man. I mean, how the I don't even understand what is going on in that building. And and I mean, Snyder, he he lost all uh, ownership privilege, and I'm surprised the league isn't kicking him out. But I mean, he passed everything over legally to his wife now to run the show, even though he's still sitting beside her making all the decisions. I mean, it's just semantics mm-hmm. at this point, but. I mean, Washington is a is a team in dysfunction like no other. I even saw one name. It was uh, the Red Tails or something like the airplane uh, back think, in the I war. I think that'd be cool. That's all yeah. right. I don't mind that. So well, let me ask you this. What do you think? They're not. What, I don't want to know what you think the team name will be. What do you think the team name should be? So just call them the Washington Reds and you're done. Just be, be over with it. The Reds. The Reds, it's kind of like, kind of like the Cincinnati baseball team, right? Exactly. Just call them the. Re- Actually, you know, that's probably conflict of interest because another team has it. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I haven't put a lot of thought into this, man. The I have no idea, man. I, I really, you know what? I take away the football team, and even if they keep their their current uniforms as they are today, I don't hate those uniforms. I think it's kind of cool. It's like the Alabama style with the numbers on the side. I mean, just don't do anything stupid and make it like the Red Wolves. Like, just don't do that shit. I kind of like, and I, I was looking through a, a, a list of the potential team names that they're considering. I, I don't hate the, there, there are a few different names. I don't mind the Renegades, the Red Hogs, or the Wild, or the Wild Hogs, the Washington Wild Hogs. We would have a field day here on Straight Shell if they changed their name <laughs> to the Washington Wild Hogs, because I mean, let's, I mean, guys, let's be honest, we've all had some Wild Hogs in our day, right? Oh man, this show's nope. already this show's already fallen off the rails, and I, we haven't even gotten started yet, man. My goodness, let's go into something a little football wise, man. The, I don't know if you saw this one. It was it was uh, Saquon Barkley. He came out and said it as well as the team, the head coach. He came out and said that they both sides said that they are unsure of when he will return to the field. And I mean, I thought this was already a foregone conclusion that he was moving in the right direction, that he was healing up very well, that he was already making lots of cuts and working out on the field and practices, et cetera. I know he didn't come to OTAs and, and mini camps and do anything in there, but I mean, I, I, I seriously thought he was at least on the sidelines doing his own thing. And, and now I'm, I'm hearing this and this has every indication that he's going to start on the pop in training camp. And, and that scares me half to death as a fantasy owner of uh, Saquon. I'm, I'm right there with you. And, you know, they're saying how, how much progress that he's been making, you know, and how he's, you know, they're, they're pretty much saying, you know, yes, he'll be a hundred percent by the beginning of the season, but then they're also reports saying, well, he may not start the season. Well, you know what, if he's a hundred percent by the time the season starts, he, he should be playing week one. Like there's no question about it. I mean, look at, uh, look at Justin Herbert. I'm sorry, not Justin Herbert, but uh, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is going to start the season. Now, granted, he doesn't have to make those lateral cuts and movements like Saquon Barkley does, you know, but Burrow is going to start week one. I'm thinking here with Barkley, if he's 100%, get him on the field. I mean, I honestly think that he is built differently, differently than a lot of these other running backs who have suffered a torn ACL. This is an injury he suffered in week two last year. Like he's going to have almost a full year of recovery and he's already ahead of schedule. So yeah, get him on the field enough with these conflicting reports. It's only going to cause animosity, you know, between Barkley and the organization, get the guy out there. If he's, if he's ready. 
See, and he even said it. So I'm, I'm, I'm so confused because even if this was coach speak or, or, you know, the general manager coming out into the media saying, you know, yeah, we're, we're taking the cautious approach. You know, we just want to take our time so that, you know, we don't have a massive setback going into this season. But when I heard Saquon say it, that kind of, unless he's doing like the, you know, he's the, the, the true employee of the New York giants and he's going to support the cause of what they're saying, just so that, you know, you're, Mm -hmm. you're playing the hand where you don't have to answer that question to the media every single single time you go up there maybe that's part of it as well I get that too but I mean when it comes to Barkley and this offense I mean really they when they let Wayne Gallman go I, I was I was floored because Gallman still produced very well last year I mean it took him a little while but he, he started picking up steam looked like the Clemson uh, Gallman back in the day and and now all you got is is uh, Devontae Booker and and Elijah Penny I mean this is some scary stuff for this run game if we're supposed to expect Daniel Jones to have this, you know, resurgence and, and ascension to being something better than what we we've all seen, uh, especially with this receiving core. I mean, I, this this whole team now scares me. I, I completely agree because we saw what happened last season without Saquon Barkley. The entire offense, you know, really did sputter. It was the defense that was helping them out throughout the season. Now, yes, they did go out and they signed Kenny Galladay in the offseason. But they need a legit running game. And like you mentioned with Booker and Penny, those aren't the solutions. You know, teams are going to be, you know, they're not going to be stacking the box for guys like Penny and Booker. They're going to be, you know, playing in coverage. They're going to force Daniel Jones to beat them. And so far in this, his young career, he hasn't been able to do that. So then here, here's my question now as we're continuing with the Giants, is there Kadarius Tony? So then if Saquon does say potentially miss two weeks, he misses the mm -hmm. first two weeks of the regular season. Do they institute uh, Kadarius Tony a lot more? Because I mean, this was, this was a, the plan all along. I mean, you weren't going to necessarily throw him into the slot right away, but even if you did, I mean, now you're going to have to start pulling some gadget plays, you know, the short, the, the jet sweeps. I mean, maybe that's what they do to kind of uh, pass the time to hope that they win the games uh, by being creative rather than just waiting on Saquon to come back. But I mean, I mean, what are we feeling about Tony? Because I'm not I'm not so high on the guy right now. And all the reports, you know, he missed time in OTA because of injury. He missed time because he didn't sign his contract, even though the rookies that come into the rookie minicamp, they sign a waiver anyway. Like there were so many things going on with Tony that made me even less of a fan, even though, you know, I wasn't a huge supporter coming out of the draft anyway. But I mean, now this kind of opens the door for Tony because he has that skill set of speed and agility. I think it certainly does. And we saw that a lot with him, you know, when he was at Florida and Maybe what we'll see is doing those, you know, those, those jet sweeps, you know, doing maybe just coming out of the backfield as a receiver. Um, I don't think having him as a true running back is, is going to be the answer. It's like a, you know, kind of a, a short-term fill-in, but I could definitely see what you were talking about as far as, you know, being more of that gadget type player, you know, maybe more of like a Percy Harvin role for a couple of weeks. And then as he grows with the offense, then yeah, you could throw him into the slot, but I mean, I'm not. When we, when we looked at his film and we did the scouting report, you know, mm -hmm. neither one of us were super high on him to begin with. And at, with all the reports that have been coming out so far, nothing has changed my mind on that. No, and we were almost like as as we said today, we were on point with everything we were saying. It was like he has electric ability, he has good hands, he is a playmaker, but there was just something about his game that you just could not get on board with. It wasn't that elite level guy that you're looking for. And then now you got the attitude coming in. I mean, I'm not saying he's like attitude diva style, but it was like there were things that if he really wanted to play, he should have been playing this offseason. He just never did. I found that kind of 
peculiar 110%. But I mean, that, that's uh, the headlines, man. I mean, that's all we got this week, which is absolutely insane. So I thought, you know what, Chris, let's dive into some of these teams, man. We've mm. been doing, we've been doing team talk and I mean, team talk is important so that, I mean, everyone gets lost. I mean, you guys, you guys uh, listen to the podcast and this is what we're here for, you know, kind of refresh your memory sometimes and say, Hey, you know, I forgot these guys got signed here. I forgot these guys trade here. Cause if you're not in, in knee deep, like we are, I mean, I mean, you tend to forget. And I mean, that's what happens. So let's start with a team. And I, and I hate that I have to say this. And I know we got a guy like K-Mac. He is out there. Shout out to you, K-Mac. He is a Dolphins fan. I don't like, I don't like saying this. It hurts me. It's like, it's like complimenting your freaking team. I can't do it. But the Miami Dolphins roster, I really am starting to come around on. I like this roster as in how they're constructing it, how they've built it already. But I mean, let's start with Tua right away, man. Quarterback, like where are we going with Tua? How comfortable are we with Tua Tagovailoa? I mean, how comfortable am I with him? Not extremely. I do think that he has he has potential to finish as a, as a QB1. I think he has, you know, borderline top 12 potential, you know, for fantasy this year. I think there are a few other guys that have a chance to kind of leapfrog him in that. Um, but he's not something that I'm personally going to be looking to roster. Um, you know, I would much rather where he's going in ADP right now, you know, he's in 12 team leagues, he's going in the early to mid 12th round. And I would much rather have somebody like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe even Derek Carr before I went ahead and drafted Tua. You know, I, I share that opinion uh, just like even last week. And it's, it's as you start looking through and what they're trying to do, and I get it. I mean, we're on board with basically that same opinion of saying, you know, Tua looked kind of like that game manager. So you kind of, you know, pulled you away from it. You're wanting to see the more explosive plays like we saw in Alabama. And maybe, you know what it was? Remember that comment he said? He said, uh, the game is just very easy for me when he started off and he, mm. uh, he was throwing the ball all over the place. And then all of a sudden his game completely shattered after that and it was like whoa man like just take it easy let everything come together and maybe this season he kind of understands that now maybe he he spoke too soon and and I'm, I'm curious I think that he is a very good quarterback I think he's more than just a game manager I think he will be more than just a game manager from what we've seen but I mean I got I, I'm, I'm not a fan of this club uh, overall but I mean I I got some pretty high expectations for Tua this year yeah, I mean, it's, he definitely has a lot to improve upon from last year. You know, he doesn't have Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, kind of breathing down his neck. Hopefully, Brian Flores will not throw in the, you know, the relief pitcher in the third or fourth quarter this year. Mm -hmm. So he and he's he has the additional weapons now. I mean, when you look at what they did this year for this offense, they went ahead and they they spent a bunch of money on Will Fuller for for this one year contract to see if he could stay healthy. They drafted Jalen Waddle. You know, you have Mike Kosicki coming back. Um, you have all these different options. So I think that they definitely are setting him up for success, which I like because you don't see that a lot with rookie court, rookie quarterbacks, you know, this offense and this team has really built talent around Tua to help him succeed. Um, I do think that there are some question marks along the offensive line. So it's going to be a matter of whether or not he can stay healthy and stay upright, but I mean, he's got one of the best receiving cores in football, mm. so he definitely does not have a shortage of weapons. So if he doesn't succeed, 
it's on him. It's not on, it's not on the, the rest of the offense as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's, that's the best way to put it. And I mean, here's the, here's the thing that I found interesting. I, I even forgot that they signed Jacoby Brissett to be the backup. So this tells me that they are setting up this offense one way and one way only. And there is going to be mm. no deviation. So if Tua goes down, uh, Jacoby's going to come in and hopefully they don't miss a beat. Like that's when you start seeing how they're building like that, you know that they're setting this whole offense around Tua and it's Brissett that's the one that's going to have to pick it up if it if it loses so uh, there is great expectations man but I mean let's dive into this running back room because I mean what looked like a sure thing early on um, now it kind of is a little bit muddled man because you got Gaskin they signed Malcolm Brown you still have Salvin Ahmed and and you got this kid uh, Jared Dokes that they they drafted this year and then you have a couple others that are sitting there looking for time but I mean what are we thinking about this running back room? Because it kind of scares me fantasy wise, even though a lot of the, you know, it's going to go through Gaskin first. I'm sure he's going to get the first uh, uh, kick at the can, but I mean, can he be the guy that can support 250 touches by himself? I still doubt it. I don't think that it's in his wheelhouse. And then who's going to be the backup guy. I mean, Malcolm Brown is this bruiser. And then I see even like on depth charts on some sites that are putting salve on all the way, like at the basement, man, like behind all these guys. And I'm like, you guys are out of your minds. Um, Ahmed has still got some wheels too. So I don't know, man, where are you going with this running back room? Cause I mean, it's, it's a good overall uh, group, but I mean, I still think it goes through Gaskin, obviously. I, I absolutely think it does as well because you know, he was on IR for a couple of, couple of games uh, or a couple of weeks last year. Then he had the COVID. So with Gaskin, when he was playing, he was averaging 20 plus touches a game, you know, maybe about 18 to 20 carries and then another three or four receptions. So he's someone that can help you in both aspects of the running game. Um, and I do think I agree with you. He, the, uh, the running game is going to go through him. He's going to get the first crack at it. And I do think that he is going to be more of that top 20, you know, running back talent that we see in fantasy this year uh, because he can help you out in the passing game and as a runner. Um, the biggest concern for me, I think might be around the goal line, especially if they do decide to bring in somebody like a Jacoby Brissett, kind of like what we saw last year in, uh, you know, in, in Indy is where mm -hmm. they, you know, would bring in, bring in Brissett for, you know, some of those goal line plays. But I think that Ahmed is certainly going to be there. Um, Malcolm Brown's going to be the wild card, to be honest with you, because he, uh, he kind of, you know, dug that knife into the hearts of a lot of cam makers uh, owners last year. So we'll see what Brown can do this year. But for me, yeah, Gaskin is, is the guy he's the one in Miami that I want to own. Yeah. And see, that's the fear for me is that Brown maybe was brought in to be the goal line back to be that true bruiser. So that if they had to get two to three yards, he could get it for you. Cause I mean, okay. Am I sold on Gaskin being a true goal line runner? Maybe not. I mean, I'm still kind of on the fence, but I mean, yeah, this running back room, it's got some talent. And I mean, uh, this, this Dokes kid's got some ability. I, I was, I was looking at his tape uh, earlier in the draft process, but I mean, I went back and dove in. He's got, excuse me, he's got some skills, but I mean, I'm not overly sold on him being a three down back either. Same with Ahmed. I mean, I don't think he's a full three down back, but he's got enough skills to keep it going. But the, the cream of this roster, Chris, is this wide receiver room. Like you said, mm. it is, it is the cream on your Sunday, it is the cream that gives you whatever you want. Let's start it off, man. It is Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, even though he's suspended, Jalen Waddle, Preston Williams, Lynn Bowden, Jakeem Grant, Robert Foster, Albert Wilson, and there are others on this. Uh, Alan Hearns. I mean, this, this wide receiver room is so like full, and I want to say it is starting to look like it's loaded. 
And I'm actually really excited because you said it perfectly early on is that the Dolphins are are giving every possible weapon to Tua to make him succeed. And when you just look at this receiving core on paper, this wide receiver room on paper, I mean, if you fail Tua, like this is completely on you because look at these ballers you have. Yeah, okay, Fuller's gone for what, four games? But I mean, with Waddle and Fuller, you will never be able to have double teams because those guys can burn you deep all day long. So there's so many options here. I mean, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a Dolphins fan, but I'm getting chubbed just looking at this, man. Yeah, because you have them running deep. Then you're going to have Parker going over, you know, running those shorter routes. You're going to have Gasset going over the middle, which is a mismatch against any linebacker for the most part. So that right there is going to create tons and tons of mismatches for Tua to be able to exploit. And he doesn't have to throw the ball 20, 25 yards down the field. He can dink and dunk if he wants to because of the talent around him. Yeah, and I mean, the speed with with Bowden, with Grant. I mean, even Robert Foster's going under the radar still. I mean, he was a former Buffalo Bill. He's got some talent. He's got good wheels. So, I mean, I don't know, man. This this wide receiver room, to me, looks extremely scary. And if I'm uh, any club playing them, I think you got a headache, man, uh, trying to game plan. But let's go to the tight end room because I know you like this this uh, Mr. Mike Gusecki, I know he's your boy. Talk him up, mm-hmm. sell the people a little bit more on why you you think Gusecki's going to have a massive role, even though this wide receiver room is so stacked, man. All right, so I do think that Gusecki could be in line for a little bit of regression here, and I and I say that because you know because there's so many different receivers. But let's keep in mind that Gusecki is coming off of you know pretty much a breakout season for for him. You know he had over 700 receiving yards. Six touchdowns, just over 50 receptions. And the one thing that I noticed from him was how he came on really late at the end of the year. And it wasn't, it didn't matter if it was Tua or if it was uh, Fitzpatrick, you know, in there at, at quarterback. He was able to be a force in the red zone. And that's where Tua, I think, is going to be looking at this year because when you're in the red zone, you want to have that big body target. And with somebody like Kasiki, it's only going to help him that much more. Um, Weeks 11 through 17 last year, Kasiki was the tight end five in half PPR leagues, averaging 12 points a game. So for me, Kasiki is definitely going to be a top 10, top 12, uh, you know, fantasy tight end option. And I know for tight ends, it's not that difficult to be a tight end one as long as you catch a handful of touchdowns for the most part. Mm-hmm. But I think Kasiki is some, definitely somebody that can build off of last year. You know, even if he doesn't maybe get the yardage that he did last year, I think that five to six touchdown, you know, rate with 45 catches is absolutely within the realm of possibility. So was there any fear that if he doesn't produce, he's out? Isn't he on contract year this year? Uh, Gasicki's going to be going into his fourth year. So I believe this is a contract year for him. Yeah. So then this, this bodes to me to say Hunter Long. The rookie they drafted. So the, I was like on draft day, I was like, whoa. I said, why are you doing that if you got faith in, in Gasicki? And and I mean, you know, okay, I get it. Teams are always going to, you know, back themselves up every which way they possibly can. But this tells me that the writing is on the wall. The coaching staff, the ownership group, they want to see a lot out of this tight end this season. And I mean, okay, it's been a little bit of a struggle, you know, early on. But he picked it up. He picked up steam last season. And he looked very good. Um, but I mean, Hunter Long and Adam Shaheen are definitely behind him right now on the death chart. And I mean, this is a very interesting dynamic. I mean, Hunter Long is coming out of college with some pretty high pedigree. Man. He is. He absolutely is. But I mean, Kaseki personally for me hasn't shown anything that would prevent him from getting another contract with the Miami Dolphins. I think he is their tight end one. I think he is going to be one of their main weapons going forward. 
because the way that he's produced over the last two seasons, I mean, that's, that's starting tight end potential right there. Yeah, it's hard to argue. I mean, because the stats usually dictate what we talk about. And I mean, that's what it is. Like you said, the old line, I mean, we won't we won't dive too much into them. They are improving, but they still have holes and they're going to have to pl- uh, play lights out uh, to keep Tua out of the medical room. That's for sure. This defense, man, I want to touch on this defense because I really like the way they're building big time. They have moved like uh, the previously to the three, four. So, I mean, for me, this entire defense starts and stops with the secondary, the way that they have built the secondary. And you know me, man, I'm a massive example. Avian Howard for supporter. I think he is mm-hmm. one of the best uh, defensive backs in this entire NFL. He is absolutely spectacular and amazing. The fact that he's got Byron Jones beside him, they signed Jason McCourty, Eric Rowe, they signed Justin Coleman. And, and a lot of people aren't, you know, no, really knowing about Justin Coleman. He is one of the better nickelbacks in this league as well. And I mean, they forced him in Detroit to play outside. It kind of hampered him, but you put him back in the nickel. And I think, you know, you're going to see a lot of really good uh, things happening. And it's going to be a lot of shutdown things again. I, I think Howard, to me, and this how the secondary is built. Uh, good luck trying to throw on them again this year. Yeah, and then you got big bodies up front. You know, you have Christian Wilkins who can play outside. He can play on the inside. Uh, they went out and they got Adam Butler from New England playing nose tackle. So you have those big bodies up front, uh, which is certainly going to help. Obviously, get pressure on the quarterback, which makes it that much easier for that secondary that you just talked about. And then of course they have rookie that they drafted Jalen Phillips out of Miami. So that's just another athletic defensive player that they have to rush the quarterback, but also someone that can drop back and play in coverage as well. So I think that there, there's certainly some question marks on this defense, but I think that if they can come together, it's going to be a very scary group. And I didn't even mention Jerome Baker. That, mm. that, that just shows you the potential that this defense has. And you didn't even bring up uh, McKinley, man. I mean, the trade with the Houston Texans. I mean, Broderick McKinley, is he's a baller too. And this is what I'm saying. Even to Van Ginkle, Mr. Van Ginkle. I mean, he's good. He's got he's got skills. And I think this is the year. I'm not overly sold on that defensive front just yet. I mean, I want to see a little bit more, but I get it being three, four. You need the outside rushing presence from the linebackers. And it looks like they have it to me, man. I, I I'm. When you're talking about Van Ginkle, he can get there. Broderick can get there. And then, you know, Jalen Phillips, like you mentioned, this rookie, he's got high, high potential on him right now. Mm-hmm. He could be one of the better rushers uh, to come out of this draft class. I mean, it wasn't the stack draft class uh, for edge rushers, but he is definitely one of the top guys. I mean, Miami fans, you guys got to be smiling because, I mean, this roster is starting to come together. And if Tua can bring you along, I, I think this defense will be able to carry too. Yeah, I think so. It's just, like you said, it's going to be... A- it's going to be one of those units that I think might struggle early on. And then once they start to gel and build that chemistry, then we could see a very different team in the second half of the season. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. Let's go to the Tennessee Titans. Tighten up, baby, because I know Chris wanted to talk about this a couple weeks ago. He's like, hey, man, let's let's talk about the Titans. I like the Titans. And you know why he likes the Titans? Because of A.J. Brown, the grown-ass man. Grown-ass man. Grown-ass man is right. So, I mean, let's start it right there, man. Let's just go into this wide receiver room first because I know everyone knows Julio Jones is now a part of this roster. And I mean, outside of AJ Brown and Julio Jones, it's Josh Reynolds, it's Des Fitzpatrick, and then there's a whole lot of okay, uh, whatever. And and I mean, okay, we could see some of these guys maybe pan out as secondary options, but it, this whole offense in the past game is going to go through AJ Brown, grown ass man, and Julio Jones, grown ass man. Absolutely, they're going through both of these grown ass men, and yeah, you got Josh Reynolds in the slot, so sure he might you know 
take a few targets here and there. You have Anthony Ferkser, who's going to take over as tight end one. Um, but this offense, like you said, is going through Julio, AJ Brown, and Derrick Henry. Those are the three man, main beneficiaries of this offense right now. And if anything, it really just helps out Brian Tannehill that much more because you get an upgrade with Julio Jones, you know, over Corey Davis from what he had last year. Yeah, you're taking a little bit of a dip with, you know, with Ferkser taking over for John Smith. But I think that with the way that this, you know, teams are going to be playing this offense, they're still going to be loaded up trying to stop Derrick Henry because the Titans are still going to be a run heavy team. It's just having that extra, you know, added bonus of having a future Hall of Famer and Julio Jones that will alleviate any sort of double teams that AJ Brown may have seen if Julio did not get traded to Tennessee last month. So is there, see, I, I'm trying because I know we're all going to say, okay, it's, it's King Henry and, it, and then it's everybody else and how the ball gets right. dispersed. But there has to be some level of thought to say with Julio Jones now on the roster, he can't just be a decoy. You know, they're not just going to let those two guys, you know, uh, run and, and just keep handing it off. I, I, you got to think they're going to try to pass the ball a little bit more this season. And I wonder how much more. That's my question. How much more? And it's my conundrum because I don't even I don't know. I've been sitting here for weeks since this trade happened to try to understand and figure out and crunch the numbers and say, how far am I willing to go to say what's going to suppress from Henry to give to this pass game? Because I think we can all agree that what would work out extremely well for this club is having more balance, even though Henry does like kill every defense out there. It, it, it would help your club all the better if you become that balanced squad. I mean, they can't throw the ball much less than they did last year. They were the third fewest team in passing attempts with 485, mm. which was almost 200 attempts fewer than the number one team in the Pittsburgh Steelers last year. So, I mean, at 45 last year, yeah, I could see him throwing the ball an extra, you know, let's say 30, maybe 40 times, you know, getting him up to that, that 520, uh, 540 mark maybe, and that would put them probably – you know, middle of the pack, maybe even a little bit lower, you know, for, for the season or for the league average there. Um, but I just don't think this, this offense is built to throw the ball six, you know, 600 times in a season or 580 times in a season because you have somebody like Derrick Henry. Now to play devil's advocate, maybe they do decide to lessen the workload of Derrick Henry to save him more for that back half of the season in the playoffs and they're willing to let, you know, Tannehill sling it a little bit more because you have Julio Jones. So I could see it certainly going both ways, but with the way that they were running Henry last year, I think they do it again this year. But I also think that they, they're going to be scoring more points this year than they did last year because of the addition of Julio Jones, as long as he can stay on the field. I think, you know, honestly, the best way I can put this, I think that Tennessee's efficiency rate on offense, if they don't turn the ball over a lot, is going to be one of the best in the entire NFL. Because how the hell do you stop this team? At this point, we talk about Julio and AJ Brown as grown ass men. Derrick Henry is the king of grown ass men because he's making grown ass men on the field in the NFL looking like children at this point. And, and I mean, it's it's a, it's going to be a scary offense to 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 deal with. And I mean, who's who's going to take uh, touches from Henry? Evans ain't going to do it. McNichols ain't going to do it. So, you know, that this is all through Henry. I mean, Ferkser, I mean, I know we had some talk today about Mr. Ferkser, and I mean, you think he's got a role? I mean, this this adds to the passing of going over 530, 540 attempts, perhaps? Yeah, I think I think he absolutely is going to have a role. You know, he's they're, they're going to need that 
you know, that short, medium distance kind of a kind of a guy. I think Ferkser can certainly be him. Um, I do want to go back to the efficiency part, though, really quickly, because last season, the Tennessee Titans were, I think they had the third or fourth most first downs in the entire NFL. They also turned the ball over the second fewest of any team in the NFL. And I think those numbers are just going to keep improving from what we saw this past season, you know, with how efficient this offense could be this year. So I do think that with Ferkser, I remember we were talking about him yesterday because Jake took Ferkser, you know, mm. fairly late in the, in the Scott Fishbowl. And I said, you know, the tight ends are the only question mark that I had with him, with his team. I love the spot where, where he has them. And if they are able to have high end, tight end two, low end tight end one production, you know, maybe like tight end 13 or 14, then it's an absolute steal. And I think Ferkser could help a lot of fantasy owners, you know, really build their teams around other areas. And then getting a guy like Ferkser much, much later on, you know, in the, in their drafts, because right now his current ADP is the middle of the 15th round. And if you don't mind waiting until then to get your first tight end, mm. by all means, like he, he has massive upside where he's being drafted. Do you know what I like about Ferkser is, is the fact that nobody's going to cover the man. Everyone, everyone's going to be so damn That's true. <laughs> right. I mean, everyone's going to be so damn yeah. worried to stop the big three on this team that he's going to be running free all over the field. And, and, and legitimately, like we said, I mean, if you score what eight touchdowns, seven touchdowns as a tight end, you're in the category of top 10 tight end one. I mean, he could literally have eight touchdowns this season and fly under the radar and only have like 35 receptions at most. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be very much like a, like a Logan Thomas or Robert mm. Tunyon situation last year where these guys just weren't really being covered because of the other options that the defense was honing in on. And, you know, yeah. Did they have a ton of, I know that Tunyon didn't have a ton of receptions and yardage. It was mostly touchdown production but Thomas was getting double digit targets because he was so freaking wide open all the time. <laughs> yeah, man. What is like 12 targets a game for a tight end when you got yeah. Terry McLaurin? I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's going to go that far in Tennessee. I mean, Julio is obviously an AJ Brown. They can make plays on their own, even though if they're triple covered, but I, uh, I mean, it's going to come to a time. I mean, if, if defenses are going to say, you know, we're going to double team one guy, you guys pick your poison. I think a lot of the time mm -hmm. it's going to be Ferkser because literally everyone's just going to say, if you want to win, then beat us with this tight end that nobody really knows about. I think the one area that might hurt him a little bit with Ferkser is going to be in the red zone because you have Derrick Henry and you have the big bodies of AJ Brown and Julio Jones. You know, Ferkser might, it might hurt him a little bit there where he doesn't see the red zone targets, but you know, the rest of the field, he's going to have his, he's going to have his time to shine. I like it. I like it. So what about Tannehill overall, though? Are we are we believing now? I mean, I, yo, man, do you, you got to remember this. It was like what before he got traded to the Titans and it was he was still the backup for Miami. I was getting you know, just cut, man, cut all over social media. I think I almost, you know, uh, got kicked off Reddit because I think I, I posted something about, <laughs> you know, Ryan Tannehill, the sleeper quarterback of the of the Tennessee Titans and everyone. What are you talking about? He sucks. Are we believing now? Is everyone in full belief in Ryan Tannehill and his abilities? Oh, absolutely. I mean, let's let, let's keep this in mind. In Miami, you know, there was the whole Adam Gase effect. All right. So now that he's with, you know, the right team, the right head coach, Ryan Tannehill is a top 10 fantasy quarterback right now in the league. And where he's going, you know, in the eighth round, you know, he's going, he's going later than guys like Jalen Hurts, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Um, and then of course, you know, the top five, you know, other options out there. 
So if right now, if I can get Tannehill in the, in the eighth round and spend my other seven picks on running backs, wide receivers, tight end, if you want to take one in the first round, absolutely. I am perfectly okay with Ryan Tannehill being my quarterback one as a potential top 10 fantasy guy. Right. And it is, oh man, I love it. I love it. You know, it's, it's one of those things. That's a quick victory lap for me, because I mean, a lot of people are going to say, well, show me this article you said, Chris, and I'll show it. It's on demand. I can give it to you, but I digress. This defense, man, this defense also is a three, four, and it is improving as well, but they do have a lot of holes in certain sections. And that is in the secondary. I am a little concerned with that. I mean, they didn't play overly well, and that's kind of why they kind of revamped it from last year. They brought in Janorius Jenkins. They drafted Caleb Farley. They still have Kevin Byard. And, I mean, reports out right now that Caleb Farley, the rookie, is not doing well. They have no uh, knowledge on when he's going to return. He had that what, the neck in the back, I believe it was. And, and uh, I mean, his progress right now is, is not shaping up to be very good. So these dogs up front, man, they're definitely going to have their work cut out for them, especially with the addition of guys like Bud Dupree. I mean, they're going to have to pin their ears back and start rushing the quarterback uh, to help this secondary and mask everything that's, that's going on. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have, you have the linebackers, which I, which I do like, you know, Rashawn Evans, uh, Jayon Brown, Bud Dupree, Right now in that secondary, like you mentioned, the only one that I think you can actually just be perfectly confident in is Kevin Byard. You know, mm. other than that, there's nobody else in that secondary where I feel completely confident. Jenkins has been a little bit inconsistent. You know, his first, I think it was his first year in, uh, with the Giants or second year with the Giants. Um, he really started to get toasted a little bit. Um, and then when he went to New Orleans, kind of the same thing. So it's just, I'm a little iffy right there on the secondary. It's going to be down to that pass rush with Jeffrey Simmons and that uh, that that's next level of linebackers for me. But this offense is good enough where they're gonna have to score a lot of points because this defense could be giving up, you know, 25 a game. Yeah. See, I think that's why they, they went after uh, Bud Dupree because I mean, with him and Harold Landry, that's that's a formidable duo to rush the quarterback. And I mean, it's it's like the TJ Watt, Bud Dupree in Pittsburgh. I mean, I'm not calling Landry TJ Watt at this point, but he's got damn good skills too. And like you said, with Simmons, and they, they signed that Autry kid from Indianapolis. I mean, they got some guys uh, that can go after the quarterback. Excuse me. And if you can actually get to the quarterback to all these levels, this masks all of your problems in the secondary because now the quarter the opposing quarterback doesn't have that long to throw the ball. I mean, there's I, I get what you're saying. I think that, you know, if their opportunity arises, the this secondary will get cooked. Um, there's no question in my mind. I mean, it's not uh, Jackrabbit anymore. Jackrabbit Jenkins is more like limp noodle Jenkins. But I mean, I didn't just say that. Sorry, man. But, you know, I, this is how I feel. This is how I feel. Tell the people how you feel. Let them know. Limp noodle. I, I think, you know, and especially with with Farley, like because. Cause it was, uh, he missed his pro day last year because of that injury. And because of that, I remember we, we've moved him down in the rankings quite a bit. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. It, it could be a slow start for this, for this defense, you know, kind of like what we talked about earlier with, with Miami, it's going to be kind of a wait and see approach. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, that is team talk, baby. We are getting closer to training camp. I love it, Chris. I'm so excited. I believe what the nine more Sundays until kickoff. I mean, I think that's what I saw. Nine. Oh my yeah. God. We're uh, we're, we're what? Like, we're like three weeks away from, or two and a half weeks away from the hall of fame game. 
Oh, baby. that's that's like August. That's like August fifth, man. We're getting there. We're close. Man, I need I need to go change my pants because they're legit all wet right now. But we got dynasty games. We can we can, you know, smooth it all over with a little dynasty games because this is what we do here, baby. I love it. We'll start with this one. I kind of, you know, there's a couple of these. I'm teaming up a little bit of odd stuff. So it's like uh, I kind of I don't want it to be easy for you. So it's it's to me. I almost want to say, who do you want in the long run? Not necessarily just this season. And, and mm-hmm. this is kind of how I want to, how I want your mind to work. I want us to be connected today. Not like last week where you were a dick and, and you were doing all this shit I didn't like. So let's be connected today and pick the right answers. You got me? And, and, and by dick, you mean I was right. <laughs> you were not <laughs> picking the right answers because those were my answers. But I digress again. QB, Zach Wilson or Tua Tagovailoa? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the edge to Tua here, honestly, because Ooh. I love the weapons around him. He's not someone that's gonna get you 300 passing yards and four touchdowns a game. You know, maybe Zach Wilson could get you that every now and then. But I like I like what the consistency and what we could be getting with with Tua. So give me Tua over. Wilson, you are not doing it right again. I, I'm kicking Wait, that's you. Out. That's not. Oh, that's how. That's how we're doing it. Yeah, how it's the, going down. Get the hell out of here. I don't like it. I'm going with Zach Wilson because I love this upside, man. Even though I did talk up Tua a lot, and I think that there is potential there. I mean, I'm a huge Zach Wilson supporter, and if he fails, I will be crushed because I think he's got all the intangibles ready to go. I think the way they're building, I'm a huge LaFleur family fan. So they're going to be pumping out the LaFleur system in this offense in New York. There's no more Adam Gase to F anybody up anymore. So I, I'm, I'm sticking with Zach Wilson here over to over to uh, for the long run. This is a nice one. This is a good one. Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow? Um, I really want to go Burrow here, um, and I'm gonna give I'm gonna go Burrow because again the weapons around him. I know he's coming off the injury, but I just think if we're looking at a three to five year window here, Burrow is just has everything around him that he needs to succeed. And with with Trevor Lawrence as good as he is, it might take him a while to get those pieces around him to really be a, a formidable you know fantasy option here so give me give me burrow you know for the next three years over lawrence over the next three years i like it i'm with you on that one i think joe burrow has everything like you said ready to go barring health issues of course i you know at this point it's i might get crucified for this one i don't want to say it like the amari rogers rookie of the year potential last week but i mean am i am i wrong to say that joe burrow might be better than trevor lawrence i don't think you're wrong at all Nope. I think I think it's there. I mean, I can see it. I mean, I'm not hating. It's both very top end quarterbacks. I just like Joe Burrow right now a little bit more than Trevor Lawrence. But running backs, man, Travis Etienne or Kareem Hunt. This is this is that is this isn't even, isn't even close for me. It's Travis Etienne. Thank you. Um, I I think Etienne has everything that he needs to do to be. I mean, not only a, a top 10 dynasty running back, but we could, we could see him maybe cracking the top five in dynasty rankings over the next, you know, two to three seasons. So I'll pose it this way because I only saw somebody talking about this on social media. That's why I brought up the question, but I, I, I didn't like it either. But I, I mean, if you're talking about Kareem Hunt with his own backfield 
can we say that he's off Cleveland and he goes somewhere else, like say Buffalo and he beats out Zach Moss and he beats out Singletary. He's got the backfield to himself. Does that change the conversation for hunt? Um, I think, it, I think it definitely could because he is still very young. He's still 25, 26 years old. Um, you know, he's only what three years older than, than ATN. So I think it absolutely could change the conversation, but since that's not the case right now, I'm still giving I'm giving ETN the, the edge. Answer my question. Stop dodging them, but I, you're right. It's Travis at the end. Javante Williams or Josh Jacobs? Uh, I'm going I'm going Javante Williams. And that's because I just number one, I've got a huge, huge man crush on the guy. Um, I do think that he beats out Melvin Gordon for for more touches as the season goes on. And with Jacobs. I don't know, man. I mean, we see it. We see flashes here and there. I need to see more consistency. And of course, I'm I'm comparing him to a guy who hasn't played a down in the NFL yet with Javante Williams. But I'm I'm going Williams here. But it's close. I I gotta tend to agree, man. I mean, as much as I like Josh Jacobs, I'm starting to fall out of love with the the John Gruden thing, man. Just you know, he's he's got to move on. I think that he is the problem right now in in Vegas and. I, 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 I just can't do it. I can't do it. it it's Vontae for me no. all day long. James, and the signing ahead. of the, the, sorry, the signing of Kenyon Drake also worries me over there in, in Vegas. I mean, it, it could, it could be a one, a one B option. And that kind of, that worries me a bit. See, and the injuries for Jacobs too. I mean, you know, yeah. what's funny is that Jacobs coming out of college. I wasn't overly supportive. I really wasn't. I thought he was just going to be this other guy again, coming from Bama. Another one of these big guys from Bama. Now, you know, he kind of worked his way up in my in my favor. I started liking him a little bit more based on what he was doing. But then now, you know, the in and outs with the injuries, the medical rooms, you know, I don't know. I just, for me, I want the consistency in my back all the time where I'm not having to second guess every single week if I'm going to play this guy. You know, is he healthy? Is What's he going to do for me? So, yeah, for me, it's Vontae. And if he wins that job in Denver, it's just glorious. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you want to you want to, you know, you definitely want consistency in your backfield. Like you don't want to be, it's not like when you're like three quarters down of like your iced coffee and there's just absolutely no consistency in your backfield. And it's just, it's a complete mess. <laughs> so we want consistency in the backfield people. All right. We don't want an iced coffee backfield. Nobody wants that. No, no, <laughs> man. Your analogies today, man, are on point. I love it. James Connor versus Trey Sermon. Oh, this is a good one because these are guys that, I don't have ranked very high at all. Right. Um, but they got potential. I mean, I'm not out. I absolutely not, have potential. I'm not out on James Conner yet, and I'm starting to like what Trey's putting down. I'm not out on James Conner. I'm really interested to see what his role in Arizona is going to be this year. The one thing I will say, I love Trey Sermon this year specifically because of the injury to Jeff, Jeff Wilson and also with the talk from Shanahan saying that they want to run the ball as a team like 500 times. So, you know, Trey Sermon, you go out and you get your 498 carries, sir. You go get it. <laughs> you go get it. And, you know, but, but in all honesty, I, I do think that that's if I had to pick between the two, I'm, I'm still taking Sermon because of that upside that he has. 
And it's true because I mean, you know what he, ha- okay. We, when we did the scattering report, we were fearful because he's a big body running back who takes a lot of punishment. Yeah. So is right. he going to be in the same conversation as James Connor because of injuries too? Right. And I mean, okay. Every running back gets injured at one point in time, but again, here comes the consistency argument, James Connor in Arizona. Okay. Again, health wise, I think James could do very good things and he could literally outseed Edmonds because I think Connor is that three down back. I'm still not convinced that Edmonds is at this point. I know some people are and they're going to call me crazy for it, but I, I'm with you. I think that over the next few years in San Francisco, it's the Trey Lance show. It's going to be Sermon. Now it's a uh, Elijah Mitchell behind him. Maybe they don't even bring back Mostert and, and they just say move on because Sermon's going to be that good. And then maybe whatever happens after that. But, you know, he can handle a heavy workload because he's built like uh, I don't want to say Derrick Henry, but he's got the big stature where he can he can take the punishment and he dishes it out more than he gives. He does. And and who knows what the future holds for James Conner in Arizona? You know, maybe it is just you know a short stint with them, but at least for this season, He's not only competing with Chase Edmonds, but he's also competing with Kyler Murray for rushing attempts as well. Mm. Trey, Trey Sermon over in San Francisco, Jimmy G's not taking away, you know, rushing attempts from anybody, not until they decide to make the switch over to Trey Lance. So for, for the time being, Sermon is going to have more opportunities in my mind than, than Connor will. Yeah. So go get your 5,000 rushing attempts this season, Trey Sermon, because I'm with you as well. Wide receivers, Michael Thomas, Slant Boy, or Amari Cooper? Uh, I'm going, I'm going again. This is all depends on who the quarterback in New Orleans is going to be. I'm going to say that Jameis Winston is the quarterback in New Orleans. Um, and even though they're right there in, in age, I'm going to give the slight edge to Michael Thomas because he has, he has less competition for targets than what Amari Cooper has. You know, Cooper does, he has Gallup, he has, CD lamb, you know, you got the tight ends in whoever it could be, whether it's, you know, Schultz or, or Jarwin, and then you have Zeke Elliott coming out of the backfield as well. Um, Thomas doesn't have as much to worry about. So I'm, I'm going to go with Thomas here at 28 years old. I think he's still got another three, maybe four years left of top tier, you know, production there. Yeah, man. Path to targets is, is definitely seen to Thomas. I think this one, I hate this question too. It's such a tough one. I, I want to side with Amari, but I'm scared. You know, he might not be a cowboy next year. And then, you know, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I think it's Thomas right now. DJ Moore or Deontay Johnson? Oh, I like this one because I love me some DJ Moore. Mm. And because I love me some DJ Moore, I'm going with him. Um, again, and it's a lot of it has to do with target share. You know, Deontay Johnson, for as good as he is, this year he's fighting with Claypool and uh, you know and, and Juju. You know with with DJ Moore, yeah, he's still going up against you know Robbie Anderson for targets there. Um, but I love the athleticism and the and the potential that DJ Moore still has at the age of twenty four. I get it. You know another another new quarterback coming into Carolina. You know has to build more chemistry there. Um, but it's he he at least can hold on to the football, unlike his counterpart there, Mister Deontay Johnson. That's where I'm going. And I was a naysayer on DJ Moore last year. You know this. You were pumping him up, and I was bringing you down every time we had the conversations in the offseason. 
This year, I, I am singing a far different tune. I love what DJ Moore has this year. I think that Sam Darnold, everybody is sleeping on him. I really do. And it's not because mm. I was a huge Sam Darnold fan. It was because, and, and the turnovers always, we talk about his turnovers all the time. I'm still fearful that could be still in his game. It's just where he sits now. He sits with the guys like Joe Brady, like Matt Rule. These guys are too intelligent to let this man fail. They are too offensive to not show him the way. And I think that uh, part of this showing of Darnold the way is DJ Moore, and it's just going to be glorious. I'm all in on DJ Moore in 2021. Mark it down right now. Jalen Waddle or Jerry Judy? Oh, I like me some Judy. Um, and that's kind of where I'm, I'm leaning towards here. You know, you have Cortland Sutton coming off that ACL. Who knows what he's going to be looking like this year? Drew Locke, probably potentially his last season in Denver. Um, you know, maybe, uh, maybe Teddy two gloves takes over at some point, but we'll see. But I'm, I, I'm going to go, I'm going Judy here, but I have Waddle just like a couple spots underneath him. So you can't go wrong with either guy in my opinion, but I just, I'm personal preference, Jerry Judy. Teddy two gloves. That's too funny. You know what? I'm going with sheer upside. I mean, I'm a Judy fan as well. I, I, I think he's going to do fabulous things. But I love Waddle, man. His playmaking ability to me, I think if you are a rebuilding uh, dynasty club or you're looking for extreme upside, I think Jalen Waddle's your guy. And and I think uh, I'm just going to sell it that way all year long because I think he's going to be fantastic. Last one I got, man. Let's close it out on this one. LaVisca Chenault or Michael Pittman? It's ugly, I know. I'm going to go. It, it's, I mean, it's not. it's not pretty. But with that being said... I'm going LaVisca here, you know, with uh, with the upgraded quarterback with Trevor Lawrence. I think LaVisca could definitely be a top 40 dynasty wide receiver there um, with Michael Pittman. I think there are a lot of question marks. And so I really do want to kind of see how he does this year. But for right now, I'm going with LaVisca. Fair enough. I mean, I'm, you know what it is? I just need LaVisca to show me something. I, I didn't see near enough. I wasn't overly sold on his tape when he came out of college. I mean, yeah, he's got the contested ability. He's got wheels. He can play the slot. He's built like a running back. I get all those points. But I mean, I just I want to see something more from him. I, maybe it was just the way that he was utilized. Maybe this year, Urban Meyer is going to understand how to use him better. And Trevor Lawrence will be able to get him the ball. But as of today, I think I got to go Pittman. I, I like the skill set. He's got great yak ability for a big man. And with Carson Wentz, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I got to go with uh, with what works. But I mean, that's just the way it goes. If you like that dynasty content, and I have to remind you to sign up for our Patreon page and the content that we put on Patreon right now is fully dedicated to dynasty content. So if you excuse me again, man, too much drink today, but if you are not subscribing right now, go definitely check us out, man. It is on Patreon. I believe uh, patreon.com slash the fantasy headliners. Uh, go and check it out. It is wonderful stuff there. But before we get out of here, Jake has an important message for y'all. So listen up right away. Yeah, real quick, though, before we get out of here, I want to take a quick second here, Chris, and I want to make sure I shout out our, our partners here for the year at Fantrax.com. I mean, Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, hands down, right now, offering the greatest fantasy experience for you, uh, for your dynasty keeper, redraft, best ball leagues, whatever it is you play, they have you covered. And we want to make sure we get you guys in a position to really come in and play with us this year. We're going to have some best ball challenges with some cash prizes coming up here in the coming weeks, but you can set up your account now and it's 100% free. So head over to fantracks.com slash headliners, 
Sign up for that free account and then stay tuned to our Twitters, to our YouTubes, the, the community tabs on YouTube, all over the place. We're going to be posting links for these upcoming best ball challenges. Totally looking forward to that, but make sure you head over there and sign up for that account right now, fantracks.com slash headliners. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore FH1. You can find Chris on Twitter at Chris Kennedy 318. To all the listeners, thank you for all the support. And on behalf of Chris, thanks again for listening. Until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out.